Yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Table family. How are you doing, guys? Yeah. Woo! Man, so good to be with you guys tonight. I have been so thoroughly enjoying our modern romance series. Um, I'm bummed that my wife Tori can't be here tonight because we, this sounds a little weird, I know. We love, um, love sex and dating sermon series. That kind of paints me like a really nerdy Christian, but let me explain why. I, when I moved to Orlando, since moving to Orlando, I've been through, what, Isaac, five or six different versions of this series, something like that. Um, and I love them for a couple of reasons. One, um, because they're so cringy. Oh, they're so cringy. The conversations that happen afterwards are so cringy. Uh, two, because I love uh, how the word sex makes Christians squirm. Sex. Ah! Like, you know, there's this weird thing. I, I just love all the awkwardness. Family trauma. Um, no, but seriously, the real reason I love them, and this sounds a little corny, but it's so true. Um, love, sex, and dating series changed my life. Um, and probably not for the reason you think. Probably... You might think, oh man, you got really good advice and then you used that advice and you started dating someone and you ended up married and it changed your life. No, I was already dating someone when I moved to Orlando. It changed my life in a very different way. Um, when I moved to Orlando, if you would have met me then, you would, I would already been, you would have met Tori. I was dating my now wife, Tori. Um, I was, maybe some of you guys feel this way. I call myself scrappy. That's my word for poor. Um, I was scrappy and like, you know, going to school and working in restaurants on iDrive and trying to survive and make it. Um, I really loved traveling and like would hit up the gram with like all the best travel pics and like travel pics that I took six months ago just to make me happy when I was sad. All that. I was like the guy who wore like the bandana and the chacos and like just wanted to be like this free spirit, man. But if you would have really gotten to know me on the inside, the truth is I was super insecure. I was working 80 hours a week and burnt out. I remember there'd be days where I'd wake up and open at a coffee shop at 4.30 a.m., leave there, go to school, leave there, come here, come to work, go to the table all night, then leave the table at 11 p.m., and literally just couch hop between friends or parents or like I didn't even have a room or an apartment to myself. I was just a mess. I like how Dan put it a couple weeks ago. When I came to Orlando, I ran away to the circus. That, that was like my experience, right? I think fundamentally the reason the Love, Sex, and Dating series kind of hit home when that Alec came to Orlando is because fundamentally I needed two things. There were two things I was lacking and I was in deep need of. One, personal security. I was a um, very insecure person. I still am some days, but I was much more insecure then, right? And two, I was in dire need of healthy relationships, right? But here's the problem. Um, any of you ever tried to apply to a entry-level job and the entry-level job like once two years of experience on your resume? Anyone had this problem before? That catch-22 is like, man, you really want a job, but in order to get to the job, you need experience. But how am I supposed to get experience if I don't have a job? Like, it's this cycle. That's how I felt about relationships. This was the problem that I felt with relationships. It's on your screen. We need personal security 
in order to have healthy relationships, but we need healthy relationships in order to have personal security. And it was just this cycle I lived in. I think this is tough. This is the case. Everyone, whether you're single here, you're dating, you're engaged, you're married, there's still this cycle at play in our lives. And many of us, if we're single, we think, if I can just find that person, that one, that girl, that guy, that'll be like the personal security I need to like make it. Not true. Some of us think like, if I can just get into a committed, secure relationship, all of a sudden my relationships will become very, very healthy. Not true, right? It's just catch 22. But, and here's the, the twist. I was looking for these things, personal security for healthy relationships. And I thought I was going to find them in love, sex, and dating series. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to find them in love, sex, and dating. And what the love, sex, and dating series taught me is that what I was looking for was not actually love and sex and dating. What I was looking for was family. And Jesus has a lot to say about family. So on that note, I want to look at one of the things that Jesus says about family. You can turn in your Bibles or your apps to Mark chapter 3. That's where we're going to be tonight. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. So to set this up for you guys, this is what's happening in this text. Jesus in Mark 2 has just... He's just gathered all of his disciples, his 12 apostles. He's been cherry picking them. He's been bringing them in. Um, I think some scholars think that in this, in this particular passage we're going to read, they're like chilling at, at Peter's house, one of his disciples. They're all at Peter's house. They're doing ministry. They're healing people. He's teaching. And a little bit of family drama ensues with Jesus' family, okay? which leads him to say some pretty shocking things about family. Let's read verse 31. This is what it says. should be on your screen. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. So pause. What's happening here? He's doing ministry. He's living his calling. He's doing what the Lord has called him to do. And... In come his mother and his brothers and sisters and say, Hey, Jesus, you're not fulfilling your family duties. Come back home. What are you doing here? Come on, we're coming to bring you back home. And what does Jesus say? Verse 33. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister, and mother. Let's look for a second at the context at which Jesus is saying this in. Jesus is saying this, he's making these claims, in an ancient Jewish society living in the ancient Greek world, okay? When he uses the word family, when he's talking about brothers and mothers and sisters, this is the word he's thinking of. There's a picture. He's thinking about yogurt. No, I'm just kidding. He's not thinking about yogurt. Um, no, he's not thinking about yogurt at all. Anybody know, any gym rats in the room know this brand of yogurt? It's like, yeah, 15 grams of protein per cup. Okay, that was weird. Uh, moving on. He's talking about oikos. Anybody know what the word oikos means? Home yo yogurt. No, none of the above. The word oikos literally means household, right? In the Greek. And this this brand of yogurt has branded itself as oikos to mean 
They're a family business. That's, what, that's why they branded themselves this way. When Jesus is talking to these Jewish people living in the Greek world about family, he's not just talking about the people that live in your house, the way we might think about family sometimes. He's talking about your household. So what is household? This word oikos um, is where we get the word economics from, right? What does that mean? Oikos, household in this context, what Jesus, the people Jesus is talking to, it's a super kind of political thing. It means the hierarchy that you're a part of, your socioeconomic status, um, your pedigree, you know, the tradition that you belong to, this kind of thing, right? It's something, an equivalent today might be like, he or she comes from a good family. You guys heard that before? Or he's from the wrong side of the tracks. This word household, this word oikos, this is the, the context that Jesus is talking about. He, when he says family, he's talking about the political and economic status of the people around him, right? In other words, in the ancient Jewish world, your relationships and your security as an individual were a result of your family, okay? I can totally relate to what Jesus is saying here because I, I don't know if this is the case for you, I've experienced quite a bit of instability and insecurity as, I'm just going to say it, as a result of my family, okay? Family is a stressful word for me. When I think about spending time with family for the holidays, it's not all roses and butterflies, right? It's a stressful thing. Some of, for some of us, it goes beyond just a stressful word and stressful holiday get-togethers. The word family or the word family drama might bring up abuse, abandonment, dishonesty, gossip, codependence, violence, manipulation, right? Growing up, I related to a lot of that. No matter what side of my family you looked at, there was divorce. No matter what side of my family you looked at, there was abuse. Both sides of my family, there was plenty of manipulation and codependence. This was just a reality. And I grew up with friends who all came from good families. And so uh, their last name was not just a, you know, just a last name. It was an industry that they belonged to or something along those lines. They'd be like, my family makes rice. Their family makes rum. What does your family make? And I'm like, disciples? I don't know. Like, <laughs> we don't, I don't live in this world that you live in, right? Of, of this sides of the tracks, right? Maybe you relate to that, okay? If you relate to that, if family is stressful to you or has been at some point, Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to us. And I think he says two radical things about this word household, family. Number one, Jesus says that family is found in God. Think about the kind of mind-blowing assertion that Jesus is making to these Jewish folks. He's saying that all of the pedigree in all of the lineage, in all of the tradition that you have is not actually the foundation of his personal security in his family. He's saying, and let me just say, Jesus has pedigree to go around. Jesus, they would have referred to him, the word Messiah literally translates to the son of David, of the line of David, right? So Jesus has this pedigree of being the son of David, of being from a good family, of being from the right tribe, and yet he goes on to say, the foundation of my relationships and my security is not in being the son of David. It's in being the son of God. 
being God's son is the ultimate ideal and the core of Jesus' identity. This is radical. But then he makes, he levels it up. He takes it one step further. He says, number two, that anyone can join God's family. If you look at the text again, he points out to this rugged band of hooligans, his disciples that he has with him, fishermen and tax collectors and people from every kind of part of the socioeconomic class system. And he says, you know who is my family? These folks, the people who do the will of the Father. That is what it means to be family. So one, family's found in God, not in your birthright. And two, anyone can join God's family. I like the way Pastor David said it this past Sunday. In the text Pastor David was teaching on Ephesians, it has this little kind of throwaway, pair, or throwaway like a comment or phrase that Paul uses, but it's so beautiful. It's Ephesians 2, verse 19. It's on your screen. This is what Paul says. Paul says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That phrase, household of God, literally, for the Greek nerds in here, for the Bible nerds, it literally translates theos oikos. Literally, theos, God, oikos, the household, the bloodline of God. That's what he says. That's what Paul, when Paul's writing, he's explaining to people what it means to be the church. He says, you are now the household of God. You, we, can join God's family. This is good news. This is crazy news. This means that no matter your sexual orientation, no matter how you voted in the last election, no matter what you look at on Instagram or TikTok, no matter your opinion on Disney, no matter where you went to school, like you can join God's family. This is wild. And it gets Jesus killed eventually. A spoiler alert if you don't know the story of the gospel, right? (laughs) It's a big deal what Jesus is saying and in the context he's saying it. For us, though, I think, and especially in this conversation we've been having about love, sex, and dating, it means this. And if you walk away with anything tonight, I hope you would walk away with this. It's on your screen. You'll find what you're looking for when you find your place in God's family. I've been there. I am there some days of desperately needing and wanting personal security, and healthier relationships. And I've been in the place of looking under every rock and in every toxic situation to find those things. And I'm here to tell you, you're only going to find what you're looking for when you find your place in God's family. I deeply, deeply believe that. And the thing is, I think most of us can accept the premise that we want those things, but a lot of us don't see or don't connect that to our faith, don't see how Christianity is connected to those things, maybe. Um, this, to me, is the magic and the mystery of Christianity. It's that we think, when we first get saved, or we first go, start coming to church, that it's this theory and it's philosophy. Maybe for you, it's these rules and regulations, this ethical code that's super helpful for you, makes you feel like a good person. Or maybe it's like theological trivia. And when you're at life group, you really like knowing, like you can quote the Bible to people. Or maybe it's like these like really encouraging programs and preachers that you're involved in. You think that this is what Christianity is. And to some degree, it might be some of those things. But then when you get to its center, guys, 
all Christianity is. It's a father inviting you to join his family, offering you personal security and healthy relationships. I like the way a guy named George McDonald says it. He says, it's on your screen, if Christianity is true, then fatherhood must be the core of the universe. If what Jesus says is true, if family is found in God, if we are theos and chaos, and if anyone can join this family, then that's what it means. That's what we're doing here at the table tonight. We're here for a homecoming. Nothing more and nothing less. Now, there's some practicals involved in this whole thing, right? Because whether you're single or you're dating or you're married or you're divorced or separated or whatever your, your situation is here tonight, it's, it's complicated on Facebook, whatever. Do we still use Facebook? I'm not sure. Um, regardless of your relationship status, you need to find your place in God's family. And it's hard. Listen, I'm with you. It's hard. It's hard. But the temptations of fun dates and great sex and amazing friendships and Instagram-worthy marriages, none of that can give you what doing the hard work of finding yourself in God's family can give you. So if we roll up our sleeves, what practically does it look like to find our place in God's family? That's the question. How do we find our place in God's family? Number one, be born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to this religious leader, someone who buys into the whole like household, social, political, economic status thing. He's talking to this guy, and this guy asks a really good question. He says, hey, you've been talking about this kingdom, about this family of God. How do I go about joining it? Like, what's the country club membership fee? Uh, what do I have to do? Who do I have to talk to? Can I speak to your manager? No, Nicodemus wasn't a Karen. I'm just kidding. Um, he's just like, hey, genuinely, how do I do this? And Jesus gives this answer. He says, you must be born again. Now, we could have a three-hour, a three-day conversation about what that means, but fundamentally, this is what I want you to know it means. It means that there's nothing you can do to join God's family on your own, and there's nothing you can do to lose God's family once you're in, okay? Joining God's family is not like, it's not coming to the table. It's not coming to a church. It's not believing a certain list of things or at least signing off that you believe a certain list of things. It is about, it is a supernatural experience. I know, weird, right? But a supernatural experience by which God makes us a new creature, like a little baby, you know, a baby does not choose to get saved. <laughs> get saved. A baby does not choose to be born, is what I meant to say. A baby does not choose to, to be born. It does not go to a committee meeting and pay its fees and get, hey, I'm signed up to, to go. <laughs> Launch is, is going to happen next week on Tuesday. Like, that's not, that's not how being born works, right? Similarly, we don't get simply to check some boxes and join God's family. And that's good news. Because what it means is that when we're prodigals, we don't lose the right to be God's son or daughter, right? You have to be born again. I know that's kind of maybe a weird phrase. I would love to further unpack 
what it means to be born again. I'll be standing at the back in the collection lounge with some friends afterwards. And if you don't know what that means, you've been coming to the table, you've been exploring Christianity, but you don't feel like you've ever been born again or understand what that means, come talk to me. I would love to have that conversation with you. And number two, how do we find our place in God's family? We have to live like a family. I think what radically changed in me over the past five years through all these love, sex, and dating series, being part of this table family, or table fam, as Isaac calls it, is under starting to realize that the church, the people to your right and to your left, are the physical reality, the physical manifestation of theos oikeos. What I mean by that is I grew up hearing church be talked about like a metaphor. You know what I'm talking about? Like people always say, hey, brother Jim, hey, sister Karen. Like, you know, like everyone calls each other brother and sister. There's this family language and we know God's our father. And so it was like this big, beautiful metaphor. Not that there's anything wrong with the metaphor, but that's what I thought everything meant about church. And when I got here to Orlando, um, I realized church, like family doesn't just have to be a metaphor for church. You can live church like you live family. Legitimately. What do I mean by that? Like, what does it mean to be part of a family? I was talking to a a friend of mine. I was just prepping for this talk and I was asking him, hey, you knew crazy um, Chaco headband Alec when he was younger. What changed? And this is the question I asked. I said, what... um, where along the line did I get my act together? That's the phrase I used. And he chuckled. He was like, you never got your act together. Okay, thanks, man. Um, no, he was like, no, really, you never got your act together. What happened was you joined a family. And all of a sudden, these are the things he listed. You had a safe bed to go home to because you had a roommate for the first time. And you had a warm meal because you went over to a mentor's house and they cooked for you and you had stable relationships that you saw once a week at the table, people who are not just trying to like exploit you and manipulate you, just like normal stable relationships, and you had regular rhythms with life group and with work, and you had a stable income. Like, yes, it was inconvenient, and yes, it took some work on my part, but to his point, I was just, I just gained family. And the security and healthy relationships were a byproduct. I didn't get my act together. And for you, you might be sitting there and you feel like you don't have your act together. And you may be beating yourself up, feeling a lot of shame, feeling a lot of guilt because the person next to you is way ahead of you in X, Y, or Z. And I'm here to tell you, stop stressing and just start living like a family. Some of you have a really safe person in life group that you know. You need to go get an apartment with this person and have a safe, stable bed to come home to at night where you don't have to sleep on people's couches like I did, right? Some of you have life group, and you like life group. You love and go studying the Bible with your friends, but you've made it just like this program that's over here in your life, and you need to invite those people over to have dinner, and you need to cook for them, and you need to tell them what's wrong, and you need to ask them about mutual funds. I don't know. Like, you need to, like, start living like a family. You have Isaac here, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's just a cool pastor dude who gets up. No, why don't you go and say, hey, Isaac, I would love to have coffee with you. Like, when we start living like a family, when we start having a safe bed, like, 
practical, safe bed, a warm meal, stable relationships, safe, regular rhythms. I think we gain the personal security and healthy relationships that we need to even start the conversation about love, sex, dating, etc. And I know I healed when I found family because I know that where my brokenness comes from and how my brokenness deeply, deeply started the week I lost my family. Um, some of you may know this story from residency or other places, but I call it my week from hell. Um, when I was 16, get home on a Tuesday after school, chilling, playing Mario Kart, of course, you know, eating a little like rice and beans and chicken that was left over from lunch, whatever. Um, and I hear yelling in the other room. Fast forward, Tuesday night, one of my parents leaves my other parent. Okay? Wednesday, I move out of my childhood home. Thursday, I say goodbye to all of my church friends that I grew up with for 16 years. Friday, I say goodbye to all of my school friends that I grew up with for 16 years. Saturday, I take the SAT, of course. I scored really well, by the way, so. I don't know if you need to know that or not. Sunday, my girlfriend breaks up with me. And Monday, I move away from my hometown where I grew up and have never lived there since. Fast forward two years, my parents end up divorced. I've got no one, almost no one taking care of me, kind of forced to grow up. Exploitation, manipulation, abuse. This is my reality. And I thought that the, the way I was going to heal was going to be by buying plane tickets and traveling to exotic locations or dreaming up some romantic future with this girl I like named Tori or, you know, being this version of myself that I saw on Instagram, whatever. And I wish I could go back and tell 16-year-old Alec that the only way he was going to heal is by finding his place in God's family. That's the only way any of us heal is by finding our place in God's family. Now, some of you might be looking at me like, well, that's easy for you to say, you got the girl at the end. And yes, I got the girl. And that's nice and all. But you're going to have to take my word for it. That when I think about my relationship with Tori over all those years, it wasn't the romance. It wasn't the crazy adventures. It wasn't like the being in love with each other that matters today. In fact, most of all of that just led to really bad mistakes that I wish I could take back. What matters when I look back is a sense of family. It's a sense of family. The sense of family that we found when we came to Orlando, just as a dating couple, enabled us to have the personal security. We didn't find the personal security and the health in each other. We found it here. We found it by doing life with a, a real live family to your right and to your left. And that sense of family gave us the personal security and the healthy relationships to not be so insecure and needy with each other, 
right? It gave us the, the healthy other people to talk to. So the only way Tori and I could go and talk for a while is if we gossiped about someone. Like it gave us the foundation we needed to make love, sex, and dating work on top of it. But we had to start with family. To me, love, sex, and dating only works when you find your place in God's family. When you're born again, and then you do the work and learn to live like a family, not isolated, not just insecurity, not gossip. Not, when you learn how to have coffee with your dad on Friday mornings and have lunch with your mom on Thursday afternoons and go hang out with Isaac on Wednesdays during our lunch break and hang out at the table on Tuesday nights. When you start living like a family, let other people care for you, take care of you. You'll have what you need to build love, sex, and dating on top. I, I genuinely deeply believe this. You can join God's family and it's probably what you're missing. I'll end with one more quote. I know the Holy Spirit was in this because I was having a rough day today in all honesty. And a friend came to visit me and she was talking and I knew she was an angel from the Lord. Just, you know, you know when someone's just like, there's no way you know what I'm going through because I haven't told you and I haven't told anyone. So that I, I should probably pay attention. And as she was talking, she said this. She said, I thought God was going to do something spiritual in me to make me not depend on other people. And instead, God gave me people to depend on. That is what I want for you. And this whole love, sex, and dating thing, it's fun. Sometimes it's cringy. Sometimes it's awkward. That's fine. You, I genuinely believe you won't get there. You won't have the foundation you need if your life isn't built like Jesus was on being a son or a daughter of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we are deeply, deeply grateful for you. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. Thank you for letting us know that no matter who we are and what we believe, there's room at your table. We're so thankful. Give us the wisdom and the security and the healthy relations we need to go and pursue family in our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.